Hi, this is Bill Crystal. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I wanted to tell you about a new program I've begun with the Foundation for Constitutional Government. It's called Conversations, and I invite leading figures in American political and intellectual life for in-depth discussions. Recent ones we've had include Vice President Dick Cheney, General Jack Keane, and Peter Thiel. You can find these and all the conversations online at our website, which is conversationswithbillcrystal.org. They're also available on YouTube and on iTunes. So if you register at the website, conversationswithbillcrystal.org, we'll send you emails to alert you to the new ones we add every two weeks. I think you'll enjoy them. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. Bill, this week, the Hillary Clinton campaign supporters got way out ahead. They have not just uh, are not hitting politicians. They're also hitting the airwaves or the webways with this song. I can feel you swaying, Bill, as you listen to that new Hillary Clinton "Stand with Hillary" song. Are you right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we shouldn't have a. Con- we should just get back, get the music back up, and that'll be a great podcast. You know? <laughs> our, our, our readers and listeners would love that, and it's rare that you get the really world class. You know, is that folk music? I'm not sure what kind of music that country is. Music. Country, country, country music. Country music. Stand with Hillary. Stand with Hillary. And my wife's a big country music fan. I'll ask her what she thinks of it. I read somewhere someone suggested that maybe this is actually, do we know this was actually done by supporters of Hillary? Or maybe yes, it was it done really by is. supporters as of Elizabeth Warren <laughs> trying, to, trying to create the worst kind of caricature of Hillary, you know, a sort of schlocky, not very well done, pathetic, pandering attempt to pander. Yes. To a particular audience, that's the best thing about it, right? It's it, they when they announced that they said that we're going to produce several others like this in different modes, you know, right. a Latino song and I guess a youthful <laughs> song, and you know, it's like you can't even make you can't make it up, right? I'm waiting for gospel Hillary. That's going to be my favorite, either well, that yeah, or electronic. So, you dance. Laugh. you know, this is the trouble these days. You say something like that, right. and you write a parody in the magazine, and two weeks later, it's happening. Electronic dance. I, one last thing I want to say, and I'm not trying to be mean spirited about this, but I'm just. As a former campaign consultant, I would never be working on a campaign for a Clinton and use phrases about marriage and wife. I just would not. I just I that's not a strong suit for them to go to. And one last question on this before we we move on to the great Steve Hayes cover story in the Weekly Standard. It's come up again, the question of whether or not Hillary is going to run. And on the one hand, part of me says, of course, she's going to run. And the other part goes, you know, I just don't. I mean, this song highlights the fact that other than that she was married to a very successful politician and she's a woman, there really isn't any place to go. Yeah, you do wonder. I mean, I guess she's recruiting campaign managers and stuff, so she thinks she's running. But, you know, they never run until they really run. And even sometimes then they, they pull out after running for a bit. And so <laughs> there is that last moment of thinking, and gee, I could lose, and gee, I have a nice life, and gee, right now I'm you know, uh, the, the former Secretary of State and yeah. someone who's been elected to the Senate twice, and so I want to go out on a losing note. So, you know, I, I could imagine her, and I think it's more likely she doesn't, it's still likely she runs, but it's more likely she doesn't run than most people think. But just on the general question of her as a candidate, I, I very much agree about how many problems she has. I got a note about half an hour ago from a, a good friend who's really been around and a very savvy kind of political operative, and he, he was saying, if Clinton wins, he wrote me. If Clinton wins, the, it was prompted by the song, by your favorite song there. <laughs> if Clinton wins the presidency, I'll eat my hat. And he goes on, she seems destined to run another tone-deaf cam- tone campaign that tries to capture a broad segment of Democratic primary supporters and general election swing voters at the same time. That's very hard to do. If Warren, Webb, et cetera, don't run against her, they're crazy. Um, and I, I really do 
do. Uh, I, I think you know, he's a friend of mine, a smart guy, and, mm-hmm. and uh, just being analytical, she has an awful lot of weaknesses, and you've got to think some. If she gets a decent Democratic primary opponent, I think that'll be much more of a race than people think now. Well, Bill, I just want to say in the annals of great political music, this doesn't come even close to the song Leave Bill Clinton Alone by the Texas songbird Larry Shannon Hargrove, which is a real song that was released in 1998 to defend Bill Clinton. I'm impressed by your encyclopedic knowledge of these important you know, aspects of American politics and American history, Michael. Well, remember, I am the author of the book Clinton and Me, How Eight Years of a Pants-Free President Changed My Nation, My Family, and My Life. So I did have to do some research. Uh, speaking of research. I was like a lot of people, Bill, when I first saw that the House had released a report on Benghazi and that it was bipartisan, I was thinking, oh, let's we'll get some truth here. And then when the results seemed to be, you know, there's nothing to see here. It seemed like it was you know, really what the people who dismissed Benghazi wanted to hear. I was a, a bit puzzled. There's a cover story in the Weekly Standard coming up that addresses this head on. Yeah, Steve Hayes and Tom Jocelyn's cover story. It's a long one. I really think hope people read it, uh, read it online right now, or read it uh, in the print magazine when it comes next week. Um, it's the cover, and you know, we as we as we printed it and we decided to put it on the cover and, and talked about it, we we knew everyone's going to say, "Gee, really? Isn't this issue over?" They're just obsessed with Benghazi. But the truth is, this House Intelligence Committee report is not a good report for whatever reason. Uh, the, the committee chairman, Mike Rogers, decided to go along with the administration, and Hayes shows, and Hayes and Jocelyn show, Stephen Tom show, in very detailed ways, and in a very non-polemical you know, polemical way, in a very careful way, just how much the report gets wrong, how much it leaves out. They've got interviews with people who were on the ground in Benghazi. They, they rule out, they don't go for conspiracy theories or crazy theories either, and they make clear that there's some useful things in the report. Um, they say a nice word even about Secretary of State Clinton, but the truth of is, it's an ongoing intelligence failure. That's the key point. We do not yet, the administration does not yet know, or at least says it doesn't know, what happened. Well, what is that? How amazing is that? Right. I mean, that you know, two years after, we're sort of comfortable saying we don't really know who is behind it. The video may have played a role, but you know, maybe not, but sort of. It's really pathetic, and it's, I think, indicative of a broader way which this administration, and in this case, I'm afraid, some House Republicans, really just Watt and the chairman, went along with them. I'm more interested in arranging things to be politically convenient for them than to really uncover the truth and then to face some uncomfortable truths about the State Department uh, hiring a terrorist-affiliated group to provide security in Libya, about the uh, total you know, deception of the video as opposed to saying it was an al-Qaeda and al-Qaeda-related entities attack. And uh, look what's happened in Libya since then. So yeah, I think it's a very important cover story. I'm, I'm proud to have it, and I think Stephen Tom did a great job with it. So if you were going to point to one or two specifics that kind of resonate with you, uh, what would they be? Well, here's just a little one. The, uh, the uh, CIA contractors, I guess they were, who were on the ground there, came back for the funeral of their colleagues who had been killed and were asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement in the sort of anteroom before the funeral that day, kind of pressured to do it. They, they wanted to get out to the funeral. They, they, you know, they're still employed, I suppose, by the, by the agency, and they, and they signed it. What kind of administration even thinks of doing something like that? They were in cover-up mode you know, at the funeral two or three days after the attack, and they have been ever since. And indeed, 
The committee said, oh, no, there was no pressure for these guys to sign any kind of non-disclosure agreement. And the committee said, in fact, you know, we've interviewed them all, and we, we paid their expenses to come here. Not true. They got a letter. And they were treated very badly by the committee when they did come, and they paid their own way, and they got a letter saying, no, we're not paying your expenses. So there's really quite a lot of details that are discomforting, really. I think it does show, unfortunately, not just an administration that wasn't interested in getting the whole truth, but a, a committee, or at least part of a committee, uh, that wasn't interested in getting the whole truth. So was there an agenda to protect someone? I've heard the theory uh, bandied about that there's a strong connection between Republicans in the House and the CIA, kind of a, you know, CYA, if you will, for the CIA. Yeah. Is that part of what played into this here, the, I, the outcome? I think, I think there may have been some personal reasons why Chairman Rogers... I uh, didn't want to go after the administration, but I also think there's a natural tendency of these committees to get sort of captured by their the agencies they're watching over. And look, the CIA does a lot of great things and a lot of risky things. The committee uh, sees them doing things and then knows about things that others don't know and is naturally defensive of them. And, and you'd want that. You want the House Select Committee on Intelligence to be have a little bias, you might say, in favor of the intelligence agencies. I think there are plenty of other people you know, throwing rocks at them. But in this case, and maybe that's really what was at the heart of it, but in this case, that bias went too far and really became a kind of collusion against discovering the truth about Benghazi. Uh, the uh, uh, weapons flow uh, you know, the, to Syria, you know, people talk a lot about, is that what was really at the heart of this? Was that the kind of the elephant in the room people were trying to cover up? Do, does the cover story uh, cover that issue? Well, the story discusses that. It's, it's not... Uh, it's not clear exactly how much, whether they were following. It seems like they were interested in tracking the weapons. I don't know that they were actually smuggling weapons. And Steve actually knocks down a couple of the, Steve and Tom knocked down a couple of the sort of uh, more ambitious conspiracy theories about this. And, but look, what I think it shows is that there's a need for more investigation. And the good news is there is a select committee on Benghazi. Remember, Speaker Boehner appointed one, uh, uh, Congressman Gowdy. Trey Gowdy of South Carolina is in charge. He's a good prosecutor. He's a sober guy. Um, I know he's committed to really trying to uncover the truth, and I, and I really hope he does. And, you know, it's not really at this point about politics. We've had the 2014 elections. Um, I, I, Secretary Clinton probably isn't at the heart. I mean, she certainly went along with the video story, but she's not at the heart of the cover-up, according to Hayes and Jocelyn. So it really is a matter of finding out what happened, but also I think just really putting a bright light on um, the degree of the politicizing of our intelligence efforts, because going forward with the new administration, you often just sort of keep the same people in place at some of these intelligence agencies. You don't shake things up too much. One lesson I, I take from this is that we're going to need a real big shakeup at a lot of levels in 2017 to get the war on terror back on course, the war on Islamic against Islamic jihadists back on course. That's kind of obvious just from the headlines, but I think you'd see it down at the even at this level um, in some of the intelligence agencies. So I, I, anyway, we'll see what more comes out. Incidentally, once once you publish a piece like this, usually other people come forward, and uh, other strings get pulled. You know that's how reporting works, and, uh, and there is a select committee looking into this. So I don't think Bing, the, the media desperately want Benghazi to go away, but I don't think it will. One last question for you, and uh, God forbid that politics, you know, at all, you rear its ugly head in this. But how does the, how, what's your response to the argument that the Republicans need to essentially just get out of the investigation business for the moment, that the IRS story, the Benghazi story and others, whether it's right or wrong, fair or unfair, that the public has moved on and therefore Republicans should, in essence, kind of wipe the board clean, start over. If something happens tomorrow that needs to be investigated, sure, go after it, but just close this chapter and move on. 
I guess I have a couple of responses. Uh, you know, whatever elective Republicans do, and I'm not wouldn't is is their call. I wouldn't necessarily recommend if a senator called me up that he should spend eighty percent of his time investigating things that happened last year or two years ago. He probably should spend eighty percent of his time developing a good conservative agenda going forward. But the VA scandal, the IRS, Benghazi—they're real things. They're, these are government entities. Uh, they're still operating. We need to know that they're no longer doing what they were doing, and also we do need accountability. It's really a core principle of, of the rule of law and of our government. And secondly, for, the, for us, for journalists, for the media, I think we, we do have even we have more of an obligation. I mean, Republicans, as you sort of suggested, did suggest, you know, they've got political constraints in a sense. They don't want to look like they're just digging up stuff from the past. And in a way, they're almost too quick to move on. And I'm not criticizing them. I, if you and I were political consultants these days, we might advise them to do that. But I think it makes it even more important for us to say, wait a second, we really do need to know what happened here. Uh, Bill Crystal, you know, I've been thinking about this idea of theme songs to boost people's fortunes. I, how about a Bill Crystal theme country theme song? Do we need one of those? No. Yeah, I, I think I think we do. I think one we... word. Let me give you a one word answer on that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> He's so smart. He's a real pistol. I'm throwing my oh, support gosh, to Bill oh, Crystal. Gosh. I'm telling you, it's a, a guaranteed hit. It's been a great podcast, Michael, and have a good weekend. <laughs> I'm going to get my buddy uh, from Hootie and the Blowfish to work on this. And now that he's doing country music, Darius Rucker, we'll see what we can do. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us here on the Weekly Standard Podcast. My pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.